Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Episode 55, the morning after, back from a long holiday break. Feels good to be back in studio. I'm your host, Jesse Kiefer, sitting across from me in the co-host chair, a dear friend of the morning after, Elizabeth Chubbuck, Associate Director of Wholesale for Murray's Cheese. Uh, she is here as my moral support, my co-host. Uh, our love, Jen Tullock, is away in Nashville on holiday with her family. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I... We just want to tell everyone that not only is Elizabeth the associate associate director of wholesale for Murray's Cheese, she's also a bucking erotic photo hunt professional. I mean, a girl's got to have a hobby. (laughs) Exactly. Dive bars and erotic photo hunt. I mean, it's a good way to spend your dollars. And to blow off some steam after rolling around big wheels of cheese all week. Is there a correlation between erotic photo hunt and cheese? Uh, you can draw the lines wherever you want to. I guess those, those photos are pretty gruesome. So, <laughs> I'd say the wheels of cheese are, are a little bit nicer to look at on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in studio today, Kelly Farwell. I knew I was going to do that. Don't worry. She is here. She is embarking on an amazing endeavor it's called The Water Table, and you may say, The Water Table, what is that? Well, it's a restaurant on a boat, not to be confused with the song, I'm on a boat. That's true. <laughs> it's a separate thing altogether. Welcome to the studio. I can't Thank wait to, to talk to you about this. And, and just, I, I mean, I, I can't believe that I haven't heard about anybody doing this yet. And well, I hope that all this press doesn't actually make someone else do it. Well, I was worried about that, too, and just talking about it initially, but after really thinking it out, it's there would have to be a lot of elements coming together. It's not something you can just go do. Like, it's a long process, even just to get your license, let alone you're dealing with the Coast Guard, you have to get the right boat, you have to get the right permits. And it's, it's not, even if you're a restaurateur, like you would really have to segue into a different branch of that to get something like that going. So they'd, it, they'd be talking like years before they could get up on this it's possible unless they just hired a captain but i don't know of any captains that work outside of the transportation industry Mm -hmm. whereas like i have all of this restaurant background sure so it's sort of like all of the elements in one whereas most captains out there out there to drive the boat and that's Mm -hmm. pretty much it they're not really involved in what goes on outside of the wheelhouse as long as everybody stays it seems like control. such a specific environment and such a specific project that you yeah. need somebody who has experience on both sides. Correct. I uh, think of so. Of the line. Yeah. Well, I'm speaking on that. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of someone who has is an all-in-one amazing person, Jen Tullock is on the line here to deliver our front of house segment this week. Hi, you guys. Hey, Jen. It's front of It's front of house. And this what is, a delightful jingle. I don't know who made that. Um, we I miss could, you. I don't know. Surely someone I could never afford. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ms. Chubbuck. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I would like to know about this erratic photo hunt. Well, we can, we can do a replay once you're back <laughs> in uh, the Big Apple. 
I mean, all it takes is some Miller High Life and whiskey and, and Lucy's on uh, Avenue A. I'm sure you've been. Great place to be. <laughs> well, so we are, Jen, we're in part two of a three-part series called Blood, Sweat, and Tears for Front of yeah. House. Um, gory, gruesome stories of blunder uh, as our exploits of, of members of the Front of House. And our story today actually comes from, from Kelly. Thank yeah. you for this story. It's, it's It incredible. was my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Now, I've, I'm actually here in Nashville uh, as the traveling companion of the Baroness. Uh, I had no idea. Baroness Olivier. Uh, she was here for the Queen's Julep Garden Tea Party and asked me to accompany her as she's not walking so well these days. So uh, I actually don't feel that I'm qualified to read such uh, an intense story. So I've actually invited her over to my parents' house to read it, if, if you'll have her. <laughs> Has Mary Gay made her some snacks and, and some tea? You know what, or? Mary Gay, sweetheart, Mary Gay made her an omelet. It had a little cheese in it. I don't know if it's a gouda or a feta, but it's not. It's definitely not cheddar, I can tell you that much. Was it sweet or was um, it briny? It's got sort of a neon orange color to it. So, oh. yes, yeah, she did make the Baroness some omelets, and we did some uh, grits, and we did some toasts, and now we're having some mimosas. Well, I, I can't wait to hear from the Baroness on how she's digesting all of that. She's, um, she hasn't said much. She's shaking a bit. I don't know if uh, that's the age or the terror. Well, let's hear from her. I'm sick of hearing you. Um, okay. Well, I, she's here with me now. She says she's ready to go if you're ready to receive her. <laughs> I've never been more ready to receive her. All right. Dame. As I was putting an order into the micros for a rambunctious six-top of dates at Restaurant X, one of the floor managers came rushing over to my side with an urgent gate. We need you in the men's room, he said in a hushed voice in my ear. Not knowing what this could possibly be about, I responded, Are you sure it's me you need? Yes, he said, it's you. Having recently studied to get my EMT license, I was becoming used to being pulled out of service to attend to a multitude of illnesses and injuries, both with guests of the restaurant and the staff. Without further hesitation, I hit send on the computer and whisked across the dining room floor with the same determination and poise as my manager, and as expected of any of us working at one of the most famous high-end restaurants in the world. One of the back servers was closing the door as I approached. Come on, what's going on in there? I whispered as my manager reached out for the door handle. He has a problem, I think. Kamal responded with a shrug as he motioned towards the door and stepped out of the way. We walked into the bathroom to find an older gentleman sitting on the toilet. He was in his 70s and an obvious old New Yorker. He looked up at me and said, Oh, hello there, darling. Good evening, sir. I am a server, but I am also an EMT. How can I help? Still uncertain of what the problem was, I scanned the room for any props or indication of injury. Be terrific. My hip seems to have fallen out of its socket, he said. sigh. Oh, wow, I'm sorry to hear that, sir. I couldn't help but be distracted by the fact that the gentleman's pants were down. I wasn't sure of what may or may not be in the toilet. And in the very back of my mind was the concern that my station was going up in flames. I think you should just be able to put it back in. It's happened before, just slide it up. Um, okay. That's what's not happening, I thought. Though I had completed my EMT course, I was no orthopedist and definitely not prepared for this moment. 
But first, if you wouldn't mind, could you give me a courtesy flush? Uh, well, our toilets are automatic, so we'd have to pick you up a little to do it. And I don't think... He slung his arm around my neck tightly and said, Okay, steady now, lead me toward my good side. My manager poked his head in to let me know that he had called 911 just as we got off flush, and I lowered the gentleman back down on the seat. Okay, now, he directed, lift the hip up, line it up, line it up good. I gingerly cupped his naked hip and lifted it to where I thought it should go, as if I were lifting a newborn up to be baptized. You got it, that's the spot. Now just hold it there. Just then the door swung open and my manager entered carrying a dining room chair. In behind him followed an older man, also in his seventies, holding two martinis. Well, Harold, now you've done it, he joked while situating himself in the chair across from the man on the toilet. He handed Harold a martini. The two men sipped their martinis, talked about what they had been planning to eat for dinner and ruled how they had been waiting for a reservation. I continued to hold the hip in place, down on one knee, becoming an extension of the toilet, and faded into the background to the sound of the jovial bickering of those men. I was quickly jolted back from my gaze by the sound of sirens. Sirens! The paramedics had arrived, thank God. They entered the men's room with a controlled clamor of equipment. One of them quickly came over and took hold of the hip so I could step back. They thanked me, as did Harold, and I returned to my station. The captain I was working with came over to me, handed me a tray of silverware, and said, Table 250 needs to be set up for dessert. Thank you ever so much for having me. It has been an unprecedented pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dame. I know that that may have brought up some memories of some bad dates that you've had. Um, that, that's probably an everyday occurrence for you, so I really appreciate your strength. Anytime. It is with great sadness that I must now leave you, but it is time for my third nap of the day. Adieu. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jen. Uh, this is the morning after. We'll be back with Kelly Farwell, The Water Table. You're listening to Devil's Trail by Brothers on the heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA. Since the inception of the Heritage Turkey Project, more than 10 of Frank Reese's partner farms have converted to Good Shepherd from a corporate system whose weak protocols on husbandry, welfare, and genetics necessitated the use of subtherapeutic antibiotics at all stages of production. When Frank Reese started in 2002, he hatched 900 eggs in his barn. This year, 20,000 eggs were hatched. This is an enormous victory for sustainable agriculture and biodiversity. For more information and to order your Heritage Turkey today, visit HeritageFoodsUSA.com. 
Well, here we are back on the morning after in studio with Kelly Farwell. I'm very excited to hear about the water table, but I want to hear first kind of how you got your start and, and, and what has led you up to this point. Okay. Um, just just a, a short summary, you know, of yeah. your whole life story. Pretty much point. everything in a few sentences. <laughs> Should be um, easy. Yeah, I mean, most of my work experience has been in the restaurant industry, and the bulk of that was in fine dining. The biggest stint being at Gramercy Tavern. Um, I also worked at Kraft and a few casual places in Williamsburg, Dumont, Dressler, Rye. Um, and then kind of feeling like, I wanted to get back to my New England roots a little bit. Um, so you grew up in Maine? I grew up in northern Maine, yep. And um, when I was a kid, I was like, it's so cold. Why do we live here? And now I'm like, it's so beautiful, quiet. And then cold also. <laughs> very cold. Yeah, it's very cold. So um, by taking the East River Ferry once, um, well, multiple times, we just were like, wow, the water's so awesome, and being on a boat is so great. And we actually had... Um, my girlfriend and I had our shih tzu in a tote bag take, taking the ferry and the, <laughs> the captain came out of the wheel I was like look at the dog in the bag look and at the dog in the bag <laughs> yeah, the totally. dog. <laughs> yeah, it was really cute and um, he came over and started talking to us a little bit and then um, I was like how did you get this job like how do you become a captain and mm-hmm. he kind of told me about his story a little bit and then the next night I mean I was very like my wheels started turning like wow this could really you know take me back to back to my roots and you know be the next chapter and the next night I went back to his same ferry and found Mm -hmm. him again and and spoke to him and said you know this seems really interesting and maybe like to pursue it and he's like this is great like we're gonna make you a captain we're gonna do this and I was (laughs) like okay great and we became fast friends and he's been a mentor and he really helped me uh through the licensing process and uh, just kind of enter into the maritime industry and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Had great. you, had you spent any time on boats before or was this like, yeah. okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a pretty lengthy process. Mm-hmm. Um, getting your license, it requires sea time and a course and chart plotting and, you know, there's different levels of licensing. So yeah, it's sort of like a lot of different elements that come together, but in the weird history of my life, I've been able to kind of pull that together and and now I want to kind of join it with my hospitality industry experience and create this Brooklyn-based dinner boat. So quick, before we go on to the, the dinner boat, can you just, I think your title is Master... Master Captain. Master Captain <laughs> yeah. Boating yeah. License. It's, it's what, a, what does that entitle you to, dro- to, to skipper? Well, there are, <laughs> there are different... Well the way that licenses break down, it's... Um, there are two elements. Uh, there's gross tonnage, which is the size of the boat. Mm-hmm. And then there's the distance from the coast. So, okay. like, my license is 100 gross ton. Okay. Um, which is sort of, like, the size of the East River Ferry. Got it. Just to give the scale. Uh, and then it goes up, I think, to 200 and then maybe 500. For, like, freighters. and. Well, you need an unlimited for, like, the Staten Island Ferry or cruise ships. Got like it. You have to be at it for a very long time to do that. Um, and then you have different um, brackets as far as how far you can go. Like, there's inland, and then there's near coastal, which is, like, a certain amount of nautical miles off the coast. And then there's the um, high seas, which is... We are going out cross Atlantic. Yeah, things. yeah. Is and there I, is there also a specific license for for ferrying people? I, I would imagine that you have to have a. It's a commercial license. Okay. Yeah. So you can do. I think it's like 
it's called a six pack where if you're taking up to six paying passengers like that's a much easier license to get and then you go up from there into doing commercial i think it's like once you get past 12 um where you have to actually have like a real commercial license and yeah it's pretty involved i mean there's the, the main thing is safety safety for people and you know being able to handle emergencies and well and also based on the front of house story you're also an emt <laughs> correct which yeah. probably gives you even more I don't, credibility yeah i was gonna yeah. say yeah. credibility as a captain because you you can handle all sorts of emergencies i'm not afraid to be that person i guess <laughs> and i think <laughs> i think that's the main thing like i've had play, i mean actually i'm like maneuvers i mean you, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just i feel like there are people where you watch and wait and hope there's someone in house that's going to take responsibility and then yeah exactly because when you take control you also become the responsible person Mm -hmm. so i think for me i just feel like i have the spine for it i don't know maybe it was growing up in a very rural cold area but you're just you know you can i i feel like i could handle that so so then so then you so you got your license Mm -hmm. so now you're a captain captain farwell right correct and then at what point did the dinner boat idea come to life well um actually it was in looking at different professions in the maritime industry and um going into some of the transportation like the ferry system or the water taxi uh the commitment in hours and schedule for like the first two years um, were a little bit undoable for my situation. Um, so, and I didn't, you know, like I got the license for a reason. So I really tried to brainstorm like, what can I do with my skill set that's really different that I can dictate the hours and be in control of it? And then it was like, of course, you know, like I got some experience, yeah. um, some wheel time on. Uh, dinner boats and I, and I just saw I was like wow these aren't necessarily like the boats that I would go out on you know it's not like going out to a Brooklyn restaurant mm-hmm. so then I was like why don't you know I do something like that like get something that's a little more intimate than the big booze cruisy boats or the you know power yachts and um, renovate it into an old New England tavern that's really kind of like coming here or some other Brooklyn restaurant that mm-hmm. just feels cozy and rustic and maybe serve New England food and craft beers and keep it really intimate and have it based out of Brooklyn. And so you would be, you would be captain. Correct. You'd probably have to have, um, what do they call a co-captain? First mate. First mate. God, the mm-hmm. best, I think nautical, nautical terms are kind of some of the best terms. Yeah. So you'll have your, you'll be the captain, you'll have the first mate, uh-huh. then you'll have to have a crew, a, an entire crew. So yeah. do you, have any seafaring friends or, or I do yes okay <laughs> yes um but I also Who have I mean, the restaurant experience that you do well there are people out there that um are already deckhands mm-hmm. and I mean for me that would be the priority and then you can teach them you know like there are guys that work on the dinner boats that do both like they're the crew but they also help with the service and that sort of thing so in my mind it's you know the boat that we're looking at is 53 feet it's not it's not big it's not a huge boat so i'm imagining a very you know small crew of people that have overlapping jobs and it's supposed to just say getting paid what a deckhand gets paid they would get that and maybe get tipped out so Mm -hmm. it's worth it to them to do the extra and um you know have one server one bartender and then two deckhands that overlap into 
some of the service aspect of it. So you're anticipating a staff, like a front of house staff of four? I think so. Four, four yeah, to five. I think that's realistic. Yeah. And I mean, there. I, I, I'm just going through my head as a restaurant manager, all of the like terrifying scenarios and, yeah. and the difficulty <laughs> of service right. um, in, in a moving vehicle, basically. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> how are you? I mean, I guess tell me the scenarios you've been thinking about and how you've been planning to to combat those. Um, I think that the I think that in a way, like how restaurants dictate their clientele with music Mm -hmm. like how that really is an indicator of who's going to want to come in and and spend money i think that this is going to be geared toward people that let me just say it's not going to look like a bomb went off on the boat when we get back (laughs) and then on some dinner cruises where it's like a big party Mm -hmm. and i don't anticipate that i think four or five people as staff on a boat with 35 to 40 people a run is a really manageable mm-hmm. number. And, sure. you know, it's got a steel hull. It can absorb the rocking and rolling of the rivers. You know, mm-hmm. The ferries really buzz. You know, they're great. They get you there so quickly. And they, you know, it's a small area. So there's a lot of motion in the water. And this particular boat, I think, would handle it really well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I just think, like, you just stay in control of the ship. Like, that's the main thing. Like, you set that precedent. Mm-hmm. And you don't, like any restaurant, when you see things starting to get out of control... You can't let them go, like sure. especially on a boat. And for me, that gives you a little more liberty to get involved sooner than mm-hmm. just standing in the corner behind a curtain and hoping that they figure it out and calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you can, you know, get involved and just say, "Listen, we're on a boat. We can't do that." Well, yeah. and I guess like for me, I'm just thinking about like choppy water and yeah. like glasses falling. But I mean, that's that can't be how. It's not really it's what happens river. out there. I mean, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Not what, it, what, not what happens out there. So you mentioned yeah. the steel hull and the boat that yeah. you're going to refurbish is a tugboat, correct? Well, it's a commercial passenger vessel that's been custom built to look like a tugboat. Okay. Because actual tugboats are industrial vessels and they're not meant, they're not certified by the Coast Guard generally to carry passengers. Um, they're like utility vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to find a boat like that. But I want that rustic kind of um, aesthetic. And then when I saw this boat, it's been an old tour boat out on um, Lake Michigan. It just seemed like the perfect boat. I mean, it would be great if it were a tiny bit bigger, but that's okay. Like we can we'll start start yeah. in one place and, mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. build from there. So, what is the uh, the menu that you that you that you're thinking? We're thinking like New England based food: lobster rolls, oysters on the half shell, chowder. Kind of New England comfort food. Mm-hmm. Very, very basic, especially starting out, you sure. know, and just, you know, we have to figure out the sort of kitchen aspect. It's not a big boat, so we're really thinking about how to get the food in some sort of pattern, whether it's like catering through a restaurant mm-hmm. and then picking it up every yeah. morning, that sort of thing. Or if it's like raw bar stuff, you can do that right on board. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of working those details out. Um, and luckily, you know, my friend Captain Paul Spreiser, who's the gentleman that helped me with my license, <clears throat> he'll be helping to consult on it. And uh, and I have Sue, my girlfriend, who's done all of the graphic design and some of the um, concept development. It's been really helpful too. So she's my current first mate. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I guess another another problem that may arise is is seasonality. Like, right? Um, you know, 
can you be out on the boat mm-hmm. at, in all seasons? You can. Um, in the dinner boat industry, they stay pretty busy through the holidays. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of like Christmas, New Year's. Um, the rivers really don't freeze. You might get little ice chunks sometimes, but I mean, the ferry can bust through them and they're, mm-hmm. they're fiberglass boats. So a steel hull will have no problem. Yeah. And there's a pretty big cabin for indoor seating. And then there's a back end of the boat that has a structure built around it that I'm contemplating sort of glassing in. So you're sort of indoor outdoor. Okay. <laughs> so maybe we would lose like, you know, 10 people due to not having outdoor seating during Mm -hmm. the colder months, but we would still be able to keep it running. And I've sort of, in the three-year business plan, developed the seasonality of trips and the ebb and flow of it. But the plan is just to keep it going. Mm -hmm. And in fair weather, will will there be seating on deck? Oh, yeah. There are already benches that are out. um, Excellent. Yeah, on the bow and in the stern. And we would just build that out and put tables. Um, Just really basic, minimal, but rustic and, you know... so how, how close are you? How close are you to your goal? <clears throat> well, in, in my mind, we're very close. In reality, we have a little ways to go. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the vote is a pretty reasonable price. Um, we're doing an Indiegogo campaign that we've crossed over 15000 um, Great. Yeah, and we have 19 days left. Uh, so we're trying to gather as much as we can and then... We're going out to um, Lake Michigan next weekend to mm-hmm. take measurements of the boat. And then, you know, if we can get it, the plan would be in March to drive it back through the Great Lakes and come down the Hudson into New York Harbor. It'd be like a nine-day trip. That sounds amazing. Good, yeah. way to, good way to spend a week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. It would be a real adventure. So where can people go to, uh, to donate? to your project uh the website is uh www.indiegogo.com forward slash the water table all one word okay so everyone who's listening right now go donate we've got to make this happen do you have um do you have outside investors that are not involved in the indiegogo campaign there there are conversations happening nothing is in writing but Mm -hmm. there's interest and a lot of exciting interest um but I'm trying to approach this like, I, you know, I always say it's dangerous to count on money you don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm looking at it like the money that we have is what we have. And, you know, if the outside investments come in, then great. We can build it out sooner than if we're piecing it together mm-hmm. over the next, you know, year or so. Well, it's it's an amazing <laughs> idea. And, and you. you know, when I think of dinner cruises, I do think of like a place I don't want to eat cheesy people I don't want to hang out with right and something big boisterous like bursting at the seams yep exactly and like weird light like Christmas lights all over the place strobes right (laughs) sure (laughs) everything I'm I'm feeling (laughs) nauseous just thinking about it um but yeah what what you're doing sounds like something that so many people in the city would absolutely love to to spend their evening doing we hope so I mean I've I've put a lot of time into restaurants and I I mean, when you spend, you know, a good 15 years watching people eat, um, you really get to know what people want. And, you know, especially working in Brooklyn the last few years, like you really have a sense of, okay, this people want to feel like they're they're in their own home, but they have really good quality food. And there's, you know, some sort of not theme. I don't like that word, but some sort of focus on the menu Mm -hmm. and 
you know, to make it accessible, to make it on your list like, oh, where do you want to eat tonight? Not like it's a special occasion. We got to like figure out how to get to the boat. It's like want to be able to, as the city's building the waterfront up, which they're doing, especially in North Brooklyn, mm-hmm. would be to find a, a pier that we could pick up and drop off that's local for everybody. And do you anticipate just doing one turn, one dinner turn, per, two, two, two turns? Yeah, and early in a later seating. Um, and then on the weekends, we would do brunch um, during the day. And then depending how business goes, definitely by year two, we'll be doing um, a summer Fridays, doing like champagne lunches mm-hmm. um, during the day. And ultimately, you know, we want to be out during the day and the night. Like we just want the boat to be running. So, um, yeah, if the business is there sooner, great you know, more trips. I'm, I'm, I have a random question about sort of the health department and how they would consider you. Obviously you're a restaurant, so they're yeah. going to consider you, but mm-hmm. does the fact that you are like seafaring have any difference in terms of jurisdiction and how you are, you could run away from them really. Exactly. You could outrun them. Um, <laughs> I think that, I mean, I have to really kind of look into the actual logistics of it, but I know that technically once you're on the boat and you're the captain, the only people I think that legally can board the boat are the Coast Guard and the Navy. Um, it's not to say they couldn't get on there as like a customer. And I'm sure knowing the health department, they would find a way, mm, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there are still logistics like that to work out, but the good thing is even if they can get on, um, it's a small vessel in a contained space and just for safety issues, you mm-hmm. have to run a very tight ship. So Absolutely. I'm not super concerned about it. That saying doesn't exist for, for no reason. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, we're going to take a break here on the morning after. We're going to come back with everyone's favorite segment. What's on the menu at Chardonnay's? Chardonnay's. Suitcase in your you're listening to Coyotes by Brothers on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. We're back on the morning after. Before we get to Chardonnay's at the break, we were just having a conversation about about how this is just more than a restaurant uh, on the water. And Sue Walsh, first mate uh, to Kelly Farwell, captain, master captain, soon to be wife. 
Congratulations. Again, We're actually getting, getting married on a boat. Yeah, we are. Oh, that's awesome. There's no halfway about it. Yeah. <laughs> Full speed ahead. Oh, my God. Amazing. Well, you know what they say. Anyway, so we were talking about, about you know, uh, how water surrounds New York. And, and go yeah, ahead and continue I mean, on what I, we were talking about. When the ferry started, the ferry service started in, I think, June of last year, some friends of mine were like, you have to take the ferry, and it's really close to my office, and it's also close to our house. So I was like, oh, I guess so, but it's $4 versus the unlimited mm-hmm. MetroCard. And, and then I took it, and I realized there's no going back. <laughs> and as New Yorkers, you know, you take the train everywhere. You don't really see the water as part of the city. And I am so lucky that every day I get to take two ferry rides and experience the calm of the water and you're away from the sort of chaos of the city and, and all these adjectives that people describe New York as frenzied, whatever. And you have this peaceful moment and this is the nature of New York, the actual like mm-hmm. natural waterway environment. And so I think this project is really also aimed at bringing that more, you know, closer to true New Yorkers and you're not, just going to go on the circle line cruise with your family to see the Statue of Liberty. You're not just going to see it as foreign barges with like, what is even going on? Garbage you, or something. Yeah, like garbage. Gravel. Being, Gravel. Whatever. Who even knows? So we're really hoping just to bring the waterways closer to New Yorkers and, and make I'm, it something that you really want to go to. I think that, I mean, I think there's something totally valid about this idea that being on a boat is, you're able to let go of things yeah. in a way that you can't let go anywhere it's, else. It's pretty amazing. Too. Yep, it's like as soon as you're on the water, the motion of yeah. the boat takes over, yeah. you realize you're not on land anymore, you realize you're not going to get back on land until you actually hit your destination. Right. Yep. And there, you know, even though, so there's a captain, there's a course, you know where you're going, but there's still the element that you're fighting with the water, you're fighting with the wind, right. and those things are going to have their way with you. And once you're in it, you're there until you dock. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's just such an amazing way to see the city and experience the city that isn't that accessible unless you're a commuter on the East River Ferry or mm-hmm. Staten Island Ferry and or on one of these huge dinner boats with cantaloupe platters and fanned napkins, Which, you know. We, so we hope we won't see those. We will not. That's maybe, we're maybe Chardonnays do, should do. Chardonnay. We're doing the opposite. <laughs> I, I actually think that you just described the Chardonnay's dinner boat. <laughs> Chardonnay's goes nautical. <laughs> Absolutely, we should. We once you, once you're up and running, once you've been yeah. reviewed, maybe Chardonnay's could take over for a night. Oh, for sure, it could be a theme. A I theme. mean, we could, you know, we could make New England comfort food awful by Chardonnay's. <laughs> you know, I, I would be thrilled. But it, it means awful in a good way. That's yeah. that's that's the point of it's everything we love about bad taste. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, cantaloupe platters, fan napkins, uh, strawberry daiquiris, one hundred percent plastic, all plastic glassware. Oh, yeah. um, maybe the bottom. Like the kind of glassware you, know? you don't know where you would even buy it. You don't know where it came from. And how does it get to be called glassware? <laughs> like Chinette. Isn't it called like Chinette or Chinette. Yeah, like something something awful like that? Absolutely. Um, so in, you know, our, our Chardonnay's is our fantasy restaurant that celebrates all bad food and wine trends. And, um, and Elizabeth 
has really taken Chardonnays to the next level, and that being decor. And and the decor of Chardonnays, but there's also, in her mind... Chardonnays, to me, represents really uh, just sort of the... It's the tip of, an I- of the iceberg for an entire lifestyle of just sort of, you know flyover state taste you know i i you know i can say this well, because i just lost that listenership <laughs> sorry guys I, I i you're i'm one of you I, I come from central illinois i grew up in in small towns on the prairie um I, you know to me chardonnay's lifestyle like the home edition the lifestyle edition is something that it's sort of the iconography of my childhood mm-hmm. uh, once again you know like these four poster beds with canopies and frilled bed skirts um and and i think about my dear aunt's house, I, and I, I love her to death, but on, you know, on the walls of their den are words like family and love stenciled and hand-painted alongside of, of cows and, and chickens, which they raise cows and chickens, used to raise chickens, so it's not that far-fetched, and family is in love. It's all, it's all good. But how does that sort of translate um, back into Chardonnays? Well, well, I think Chardonnays has stenciled... <laughs> Exactly. What's on the wall at Chardonnay's <laughs> is is some sense stencil of like bistro, cabernet, mm. um, like, bouillabaisse, something like French, and they have no French food except fries. Ex- French fries, <laughs> you know, s- like the still lifes stenciled with wine paraphernalia. So grapes. Well, and those like, those old like wine posters that are like replicas of old wine posters, and I like mean, the I'm, big straw Chianti bottle. That is definitely there, and there there might be some candle actually in in the top of it we with could wax. Um, there's probably scented a, candles, scented candles. I mean, yeah. the decor goes on and on. I'm always I'm thinking like like plasticky pleather booths, absolutely. Um, or, and it's strangely modern in a like in an ugly, awful. But I think it's just also a bit hodgepodge. I'm seeing sort of white pine oh, it can be anything. chairs with. Uh, you know, tufted gingham cushions that have um, uh, ruffles all around the outside of them and tied to the back of the chairs. It's like indoor-outdoor. Exactly. <laughs> um, wow, you've just touched on a whole other level of Chardonnay's decor, indoor-outdoor. So I grew up in, in Phoenix where we always had the Arizona room, which was like this... I mean, everyone probably has like a screen porch, but mm-hmm. it's like a screened-in room where maybe the, you know, the there's like... Uh, What's that? Oh, what's it called? Uh, turf. Uh, AstroTurf. AstroTurf yeah. on the ground. And uh, everything's pastel. There's like a wooden white pine coyote. Absolutely. That has like a bandana with like blue and pink, like Navajo um, things. I mean, I'm just thinking of the Southwestern version of Chardonnays at this mm-hmm. moment. But but I really do like this indoor-outdoor idea. I mean, um, it, why couldn't it be a regional franchise? Every Every state has its own. I think it could really hit the mobile home community with this. <laughs> I was just thinking the AstroTurf. I did have a brief job spray painting mobile homes um, when I was 19. Was it legal or what was it? I don't know. I got hired in a parking lot. Um, and you put your initials on the side or? Uh, <laughs> something like that. But there was a lot of AstroTurf. And uh, there was a lot of brown ceilings from the cigarette smoke. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And there's, there's definitely going to be some like cross-stitched um, you know, scenes of like bunnies and deer maybe you know whatever's in season if there's venison on the menu you'll put up the the cross-stitched deer scene from from the forest and if you're 
Well, and and definitely carpet, right? Definitely carpet, oh, wall to wall. There yeah. is there is no. I mean, it's it makes no sense. I have zero clue as to why anyone would have ever put carpet in a restaurant. Yeah. I, I mean, recently I was in Huntington Beach, California, and I went to this amazing restaurant called Catch of the Day, and everyone should go because it is totally Chardonnay's, the nautical Southern California version with carpet. Wow. But actually an incredible wine list, so I can't really call them Chardonnays because they actually, they had it going on for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> That's good. Price point was, was on point. So uh, Kelly, tell us where yeah. we can go um, to donate again. Uh, it's www.indiegogo.com forward slash the water table. All one word. Keeping my fingers crossed for you. Thank you. And thank you. I mean, there's already been so much generosity. It's fantastic. And I really do think of it as like a community project. Cause it's for everybody. It's, you know. Absolutely. It's for New no, Yorkers. I mean, yeah, it's for New Yorkers that, you know, it's a good way to love the city again when you can't get out of town. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like a mini escape. Yeah. I hope we can get a reservation. Oh, I, I hope. Super VIP. I hope. I'm going to put my life jacket on as soon as we walk out the door <laughs> with my fingers crossed. Just waiting. ready. Just ready, ready to, to go. go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. It's always amazing to see you. This is the morning after on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.